I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we do each week, to be here in this place with us now. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. As many of you know, and the rest of you will assume, I used to play basketball. Now, that's an existential weight for me, of course, having to say it that way. It's a real sign of aging. It used to be that little kids would run up to me, seeing my height, and ask me wide-eyed if I play basketball. But then at a certain point, depressingly long ago now, it was older men who started asking me if I used to play basketball. (laughs) But back when I used to play basketball... Actually, right near the end there, just a couple years ago, I remember playing against one particular guy who was about as tall as me and seemed to be about my age. I was something like 42 at the time, just before I retired. Uh, Now, not to pat myself on the back too much, but back when I played basketball, I was pretty good, being blessed with both size and athleticism. In other words, if a guy was as big as me, he was usually much less athletic And if he was as athletic as me, he was usually much smaller. And this ordinarily led to great success on the court. But this one guy was kind of dominating me. It was weird. It didn't happen often. I was actually kind of confused by it. He was as tall as me, but also running faster than me, jumping higher than me, being stronger than me, all of it. And then it dawned on me. What must be going on? Maybe he's not, as it seemed to me, about my age. And so I asked him how old he was. And then he said, wait for it, 25. (laughs) I looked at him and thought, he's about my age. In fact, he's decades younger than me. No wonder he's running faster and jumping higher. Compared to him, I have one foot in the grave. You see, I forget that I'm not young anymore, that I'm not a kid. It happens all the time. And one of the reasons that it's easy to forget that I'm not a kid, in addition to you know, liking all the same food, music, movies, and jokes that I liked back in the 80s and 90s, is that all the same stuff that concerned me as a kid concerns me now. Basically, I am a kid, just, you know, huge. And the thing that reminded me this week of how much like a kid I am was this reading from Matthew chapter 20, Jesus' parable of the 11th hour workers. It's a story about something that kids, kids of all ages, including me, are really concerned about. Fairness. Sure, my kids are obsessed by fairness. They turn into cutthroat attorneys when it's time to litigate whose turn it is to pick what we watch, or how many scoops of ice cream their sibling received, or whether or not, God help us, the computer time has been doled out exactly evenly. But the truth is, 
I'm obsessed by fairness too. Or at least my definition of fairness. Because I'm a lawyer too, deep inside. Like when I cook dinner, it's only fair that Aya do the cleanup, right? And then when Aya cooks dinner, it's only fair that she, having made all that mess, do the cleaning up, right? (laughs) That sounds fair to me. And a particular definition of fairness is being litigated in our reading today. Jesus' story about these workers in a vineyard. People get hired to do a job and are promised a certain wage in exchange. But when it comes time for the boss to pay up, there's what seems like a discrepancy. Something that, well, something that doesn't seem fair. You know the story. A landowner goes out in the morning, the early morning, to hire laborers to work in his vineyard. And he agrees to pay them the normal rate for a day's work. A deal to which they agree. But then as the day progresses, he goes out several more times, hiring more workers at several intervals. 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m. In fact, he even hires some workers at 5 p.m., just one hour before the end of the workday. And it's then, at the end of the day, that things get interesting. All the workers line up for their pay, and the people who worked all day are toward the back of the line. But looking up front, they see that these 11th hour workers, the laborers who worked only a single hour, are getting paid a full day's wage. Oh man, you can almost hear the hard workers thinking, if those slackers get a full day's pay, just think about what I'm going to get. Probably 12 times as much. Because you see, that's what they think is fair. But as this famous story goes, the landowner pays those who worked all day the same amount as those who only worked one hour. They all get a full day's wage. And of course, the hard workers grumble. It doesn't seem fair. They've slaved in the hot sun for 12 hours and they're getting the same payment as these people who lounged around all day doing nothing and then worked just an hour, barely breaking a sweat. What the heck? But the landowner says to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Talk about a loaded rhetorical question. Yes, I'm envious. And yes, because you are generous. Now, it's nice for us to be reading this parable of the 11th hour workers the week immediately following the one on which we read the parable of the unforgiving servant. They're kind of companion pieces. They don't follow directly one after the other in the Bible. That was Matthew 18, and today we're in Matthew 20. But in a sense, these two parables are the two parts of God's full story of his interaction with sinners. Last week, the unforgiving servant was about forgiveness. This week, the 11th hour workers 
we get the flip side. Generosity. Last week was about not getting the punishment you do deserve. Now we're reading a story about getting the reward that you don't deserve. But boy, this rubs up against our desire for fairness, doesn't it? Our internal lawyer. It serves to remind us that in this way, we are very much like kids. Cutthroat litigators that they are. We want fair, or we think we do. We want what we deserve, or we think we do. I say we only think we want fairness because assuming that fairness will rule in our favor is the universal human delusion. What we actually need is not fairness. Indeed, dear Lord, spare me from fairness. What we actually need is generosity. And that's what this parable is all about. You see, I've convinced myself that fair will lead to me having all my skills recognized and all my shortcomings overlooked. Having my wife and family meet all my needs while never asking for anything difficult from me. Remember the thing about cleaning up after dinner. Fairness involves having my particular views and desires catered to by the world and everyone around me. That sounds fair. That sounds like what I deserve. I was thinking about deserving this week. And so I did, I don't know why I thought to do this, but I did some quick Googling about deserving and quotes and slogans associated with it. And it is amazing the kinds of things you can buy on the internet that will tell you how much you deserve. <laughs> Seems like everybody wants to be treated like this, to never have to clean up after dinner, right? A couple of quotes, and you can get these on coffee mugs, t-shirts, cat posters, and more. A couple that stood out to me were, quote, you deserve absolutely everything you've dreamt of. That's attributed to somebody named Emily Merrig, who I actually couldn't find anywhere online other than as the source of that quote. Very suspicious, right? Then there's Lily Collins, an actress. You deserve happiness. You deserve to be loved just as you love others. You deserve everything. And finally, there's the apparently unattributed inspirational quote print that you can order from Etsy for only $4 that just says, you deserve the world. There's a reason that things like this are the biggest sellers on the Etsy store. These items are popular because the people who sell them are smart. They know how we think. They know that we don't want a, you know, you should probably do the dishes sometimes coffee mug. <laughs> Although I'm getting that for Christmas now, I know it. <laughs> they know, they know, although they probably wouldn't put it quite this way, they know that when we read the parable of the 11th hour workers, we think of ourselves as the aggrieved laborers who have worked all day. We're the ones who have been slaving in the vineyard. And so the Etsy shop caters to what we think we deserve. Everything, the world, absolutely everything we've dreamt of. 
But what do we actually deserve? What would be fair? Well, we did the whole review last week, if you'll remember, how our hearts are deceitful above all things, how all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and how the wages, notice how appropriate wages are for today's parable, how the wages of sin is death. We actually rehearse this every single week in the context of our confession. Almighty God, we pray, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker and judge of us all, we acknowledge and lament our many sins and offenses, which we have committed by thought, word, and deed, against your divine majesty, provoking most justly, your righteous anger against us. That's unpleasant to hear, but that's what we are saying in the context of this prayer that we deserve. God's righteous anger. So while fairness on this horizontal plane is a good thing, and indeed impartiality is an important biblical principle, Is fairness good news as we deal with the heavenly father? As we interact with the divine king of heaven and holy ruler of the universe, do you want fair in this context? Do you want what you deserve? You know, judged according to your thoughts, words, and deeds. No. We sinners need the owner of the vineyard in the parable of the 11th hour workers because we only think we want fair. What we actually need is mercy and grace. We need generosity. And that is the key to understanding this story, this parable of the 11th hour workers. It's not about fairness. It's about mercy It's about generosity because when you get right down to it, fairness, especially where a holy God is concerned, is not good news for sinners like you and me. We think we want fair. We actually need mercy. And again, our kids, our actual kids and our inner kids are perfect examples of this, aren't they? We find ourselves telling them, You don't actually want this fairness that you're asking for. You only think you do. Fair would mean that you have to go to work and earn the money to support the family. Fair would mean that you have to cook the dinners and clean the dishes. Fair would mean that you would be responsible for your own education and personal development. Kids only think they want fair. They actually want generosity. They actually need mercy just like you and just like me. We all think fair should skew in our direction because we think we've been working all day. We imagine ourselves to be the workers in the story who were hired first thing in the morning. We've been putting in the work, we assert. Shouldn't we get a little bit more? That's the sentiment pregnant in our every protestation that something isn't fair. We're pointing back to our work 
and saying we deserve better, we deserve more, that fair ought to rule in our favor. The Bible has bad news for we who protest that things ought to be fair. Your life, the Bible teaches us, does not live up to the standard that a holy God has set. As far as what you deserve, remember it's what we confess, God's righteous anger. You are the 11th hour worker. You don't have any good work to point to. We recoil from this judgment, but we know that it's true. That we're not living up to the calling that God has laid on our lives. That we don't love him with our whole hearts. And we haven't been loving our neighbors as ourselves. Think for a moment. And while you're thinking... Don't let your failure to love God and love your neighbor remain generic. Think about the ways you put yourself first. The ways that you usurp God's authority and take it for yourself. Sure, God said something. Be honest at work. Honor your father and mother. Pray for your enemies. But you think you know better. Think about loving your neighbor. Think about the animosity that you carry toward a family member. The lust you feel toward someone to whom you are not married. The covetousness toward a friend's quality of life. And yet, by a miracle, here you are. You are here now. An 11th hour worker dragged into God's vineyard at the very end of the day. The whistle blows and you haven't done much of anything. In fact, truth be told, you maybe even made it harder for the other workers in your one hour. You've cost the boss money. So, do you want fair? Fairness is bad news for a sinner like you. Fairness is bad news for sinners like us. But as we talked about last week, and as we must remember every week, the fairness of God is exhausted in Christ. All that you deserve, the wrath of God poured out on sin, has been borne by God in Christ for you. So taken as a pair with last week's parable, these two stories proclaim both sides of God's grace for sinners. In the parable of the unforgiving servant last week, we heard the story of God's forgiveness, that our debt is laid on Christ's shoulders no matter the size and scope. He can take it. And this week, In the parable of the 11th hour workers, we hear the story of God's generosity, his own righteousness given to us. We, you and I, are counted righteous, fully righteous, as though we had done every good work that Christ did. All his goodness given to you. And it's not fair. It's actually a cosmic unfairness that benefits you. On account of the master's generosity, the 11th hour workers are paid in full. 
This is good news for sinners like you and me. See, for sinners, as we've said, unfair is bad news. But Jesus says, you, you there, the one that doesn't deserve, the one that has nothing good to offer, the one with no work to point back to, my goodness, my righteousness, my sinlessness is for you. Not because you're so great or because you've worked so hard, but because I choose to be generous. I give you the same free gift bought and paid for with my own life that I give to everyone who casts their cares on me. All have sinned, we read, and fall short of the glory of God. All the workers in my vineyard are 11th hour workers. And all the workers in my vineyard are getting a free gift today. A free gift of love, of grace, of eternal life with me in heaven. So hear the good news from God, the landowner, on account of his son, Jesus Christ. You lost sheep, you sinners, you 11th hour workers, though you did not, have not, and could not ever earn Jesus's love. Jesus's love is not for those who work. It is for those who believe. So come. Believe in him and rest in work that is already finished. Amen.